ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music and more. Hi, I'm Melissa Clark, coming to you from Gadigal Land. This is ABC News Daily. Access to abortion in Australia is about to become a little easier, with restrictions on doctors and pharmacists around medication for terminations being eased. The federal government says it's a crucial change, given it will help women in regional and remote areas get an abortion and at a lower cost. Today, reporter Claudia Long on the slow evolution of abortion services in Australia. Claudia, abortion is an area of women's health where there's still stigma. And for many women, it can be really hard to access an abortion in a timely way. What are some of the barriers that that women are still facing? Mel, there's there's quite a few, really. So I think one of the main ones is purely where you live. And that's because of a number of factors. It might be that there's no GP in town who's registered to prescribe a medical abortion. It might be that there's nowhere in your local area that you could access a surgical one. So I think one of the biggest barriers is just the amount of travel that women have to do to access this procedure. For example, women in Tasmania actually have to often travel to the closest city is Melbourne. And that's before you even get to the cost, which is another massive barrier for people. So sometimes the costs for the surgical procedure can run into hundreds if not potentially over $1,000 for some people when you add it all up. And also medical abortions themselves aren't always a cheap option either. So those are the two main issues. So why has there been a push for better access to medical abortions? And what's the difference between medical and surgical abortions? So essentially a medical abortion is what you might already know as abortion pills. You take two types of medication. It's called MS2-STEP. And the first one is mifepristone. And essentially that medication blocks the effects of progesterone, which is the hormone that's really needed to sustain a pregnancy. And then about two days later, you take four little tablets of misoprostol. What those two medications in combination do is induce a miscarriage. um, And you can only use it for the first nine weeks of pregnancy. So it's really important to get it as early as you can. But for a lot of people, it's also something that, you know, they would prefer because it's significantly less invasive than the surgical option, um, which is what you can have after nine weeks. And that's much more common in Australia at the moment. The majority of women who have an abortion have a, a surgical abortion at the moment. Yeah, that's my understanding of it. And, you know, it's it's exactly what it sounds like, isn't it? You know, the pregnant person has to essentially undergo um, a surgical procedure to terminate their pregnancy. And the thing about a surgical abortion compared to a medical abortion is that just by nature of surgery, there's a significantly higher number of people involved in that procedure, particularly if you're undergoing sedation. And so there's um, potentially some risks around that as well as there is with any other um, surgical procedure, mind you. And I actually spoke to a GP earlier this week. Her name's Dr. Lisa White. She explained that medical abortions can actually be a better option than surgical abortions sometimes in terms of both cost and safety. Surgical terminations carry risk. There's sedation, it's a procedure, it has to be done in, in a centre where there's facilities to cope with side effects of those things or if things go wrong. It's actually quite expensive to get these, these terminations done in clinics. So from a financial perspective, increasing their use in medical terminations in general practice will actually cost the patient less. 
Okay, so there are a lot of potential benefits of having better access to medical abortions. So when these changes come into action on August 1, uh, what happens then? So the National Medicines Regulator, the Therapeutic Goods Administration, or the TGA, um, they regulate all the drugs and medicines in the country, are essentially going to make it easier for women to access it by removing the requirements that are put on doctors and also nurse practitioners and pharmacists. Essentially, at the moment, those three groups need to have special training and certification as well as an extra registration um, to dispense and prescribe that medicine, and the TGA is going to remove that. And that's particularly important given that, you know, this is a really common procedure to have an abortion of any kind. You know, one in three Australian women will have an abortion at some point in our lives, but only one in ten GPs at the moment are actually registered to prescribe a medical abortion. So the idea is that access will increase because the number of people who are able to prescribe and actually give out this medicine will increase. So that won't be um, immediate for every single doctor. Um, Obviously, there'll have to be a bit of training and upskilling to go with that, but it will certainly have an impact at the pharmacy level because pharmacies will then be able to not have to worry about all this extra registration to just dispense a medicine like they would any other. So where there's been an unplanned pregnancy that a woman can't continue with or doesn't want to continue with, it'll now be easier to get a medical abortion. What's prompted the change? Why is this happening? So from a process perspective, the main thing that's prompted it is MS Health, which is the non-for-profit group um, around MS Two-Step, which is the medication. They made an application to the Therapeutic Goods Administration, the drugs regulator, to say, you know, we think that this change should be implemented. The TGA has gone away. They've considered that. They've considered the evidence around it and they've implemented this change. You know, for a really long time, the Federal Health Minister actually had veto power over the importation of abortion pills or, you know, what is known as RU486 which is the first pill that you take to um, to cut off the hormone that's needed to continue a pregnancy. So that veto was overturned in 2006, so uh, quite a few years ago now, but there was a really kind of hard-fought um, you know, battle around that in Parliament. And it actually saw a number of women from across different um, parties come together to really fight those rules, and they, they won in the end. So there was a conscience vote. The House of Representatives will today vote on who should control the availability of the abortion drug RU486. I will be supporting the amendment. For me, having tested these reasons with men and women of faith, I've decided not to oppose this bill. I find the notion that somehow those of us supporting the bill have less belief or faith than those opposing it deeply offensive. I am Catholic. And another interesting part of this big debate at the time was that the health minister was Tony Abbott, who you might know because he became prime minister later on, but he's also been a long-time staunch opponent of abortions throughout his public life. But every abortion is a tragedy, and up to 100,000 abortions a year is this generation's legacy of unutterable shame. And it wasn't until 2012, which was when the first imports of the medication actually started, that medical terminations really became an option for people who are pregnant in Australia. So the use of medical abortions instead of surgical abortions has been gradually increasing since then, but it's still far less common. So one of the reasons abortions have been so contentious over the years is that there are also doctors and medical experts who, for different reasons, oppose abortions. What do these changes mean for them? Well, yes, the Australian Medical Association, so that's the peak body for doctors, essentially their representative body. They've recognised that obviously some health providers will have their own personal objections to providing reproductive health care, be that abortion, be it contraception. And so the AMA's position is essentially that any form of reproductive health care needs to be free from pollution 
political or religious interference, but it also acknowledges that, you know, doctors may have a con- their own conscientious objection. They don't advocate, for example, forcing someone to prescribe this. That doesn't happen in Australia. Um, and, you know, they can choose to not provide, as the case may be, services like abortion. What they are obligated to do, though, is ensure that a patient actually has access to care, whether or not they conscientiously object to it. Mm, and so a doctor can refuse to write a prescription for the medication for a medical abortion, but they have to make sure the patient can see another doctor who will if that's what they want. Yeah, that's right. And that's in line with surgical abortions too. So those rules are the same for those two things. So a doctor is required to refer those patients on without any delay because obviously with pregnancy, the clock is ticking whether you want to you know, continue the pregnancy or not. Claudia, how much difference will this make? I mean, the medication was available. How much impact does it have making it more available, more accessible? Oh, huge, um, particularly for women in regional or remote areas, but really for anyone who is who is pregnant and doesn't want to be. Um, you know, this, this makes it more accessible earlier, which is really important. The earlier that you can do this procedure, if it's something you want to do, the better. And, you know, the president of the Royal Australian College of GPs, that's Dr Nicole Higgins, we were speaking earlier this week and she said, at the moment, it can be incredibly challenging to A, find a GP or a doctor that can actually prescribe this to you if you're in a regional or remote area. Um, And B, after you've done that, so after you've jumped that first hurdle, to then find a chemist who can actually give it to you. At the moment, uh, being able to access the medications from pharmacies can be challenging, especially in rural and regional Australia. So this now increases the number of uh, providers of those medications who will be able to provide that to women. Now, it's not as straightforward as taking a Panadol. I think it's really important for people to know. Um, You do need to take pain relief and anti-nausea medication. And actually, that's going to be part of these TGA changes as well. They're actually going to include new warnings and instruction information on these packets so that people, I guess, are more informed about what might be happening to their bodies. Dr Nicole Higgins was saying, you know, women and people who are pregnant really need to be aware that it's not as simple as just popping a pill. Women need to understand that there is a process around this and... That requires uh, having pregnancy tests, some ultrasound, being counselled. There will be people who will need to take care of you, to check in on you. And surgical termination is still, in many cases, going to be a better option for some women. So we're in a really different place for women today who are needing an abortion than we were 10 years ago or so. But as you point to, there's still a lot of areas that could face further reform. What do you think the position is for women today who find themselves needing an abortion? I think that on paper, things look very, very different to how they did even just a decade ago. But in terms of actually accessing one in person, that's a lot less straightforward. Certainly more people are able to do that today and that's also going to change now um, from August with these changes from the TGA. That'll only grow. But there's still a lot of change that needs to happen, particularly for women in regional and remote areas. You know, one in two women in a regional or remote area can't access medical abortion at the moment. 50%. That's huge. So on paper, things are certainly looking better, but in real life there's still plenty uh, plenty of work to do. Claudia Long is a political reporter with the ABC. This episode was produced by Veronica Appap and Flint Duxfield, who also did the mix. Supervising producer is David Cody. 
I'm Melissa Clark. ABC News Daily will be back again tomorrow. You can find all of our episodes of the podcast on the ABC Listen app. To get in touch with the team, email us on abcnewsdaily at abc.net.au. Thanks for listening. <laughs>